let's test these levels. Michael, what is um, your favourite musical of all time? Oh, it's such a hard question. This isn't real. This, is this just... isn't real, yeah. And I just don't want to answer it properly. <laughs> do it properly. I feel like I, I really do love the effect that Hamilton had on me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I wouldn't say it's like my favourite of all time, but I love the effect it had on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. find it difficult to answer that question just because... Oh, I hate that. If, yeah, don't, don't, answer, don't <laughs> answer that question. Impossible. It's like, it's, it's always the go-to question as well when people find out what I do. They're like, oh my God, what's Which the best show? Like, I'm like, so wicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to In The Frame. Today's guest is the amazing Michael Ahomka Lindsay, who recently starred as Emmett Forrest in the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre revival of Legally Blonde, directed by Lucy Moss. I was so excited to have Michael in the podcast studio to record this episode because I could have had bits and pieces. I'd I'd heard some bits of the jigsaw puzzle and I wanted to put it all together. Michael pursued theatre after dropping out of medical school. After training at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, he made his theatrical debut as Benny in some little show called Red at the Hope Mill Theatre, directed by Luke Shepherd. He then went off on tour in The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe before joining the cast of Legally Blonde for its big London revival. He is about to star in the brand new musical To The Streets, which is running from the 19th to the 28th of August at the Birmingham Hippodrome. It was such a pleasure to speak to Michael to hear all about his journey. And of course, we had to geek out about all things Legally Blonde. Here's the interview. Michael Ahomka Lindsay, you're in the frame. Yeah, I'm in the frame. <laughs> How are I'm, you? I'm good, yeah. I've, I've, I'm mourning Legally Blonde. I but know. I'm good. Um, I feel... I still feel so warm and fuzzy about everything. So there's that to hold on to. <laughs> well, but it must be heartbreaking when something like that ends. Yeah. No, honestly, I think it's it's that same feeling you get. It never changes from that class school trip you had when you are younger. Mm-hmm. And you're just around, you know, all these beautiful people. And I think it's just sad to to say goodbye to that, you know, walking to work every day and seeing that those people mm. just without fail, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then being involved in such a story... Um. Yeah, I did, I miss it. Did you love it with all your heart? <laughs> I really did. I really did, and I feel like I wasn't quite finished with. You know, we were still there. Were still things that we were doing that were changing. You know, small things that I'm not sure we were all. You know, finished with the project. So I I really did love it. I loved what it stood for. When you got the job, did you think you were going to love it as much as you did? Do you know what? Honestly, and I only say this because you never know what you're going to get in terms of like who's in the room. No, only because nothing could have prepared me for just the the like, mm-hmm. just the way that rehearsal room ran. You know, I was so excited even from auditions when I had the first few rounds and I met the creative team and I just thought I've never done an audition where I felt so comfortable and so I had I had fun, you know. And my agent called me wow. up. I was like, "How did it go?" I know. Wow, what? And I, uh, she was like, "How did it go?" I was like, "Yeah, I just I just had a really good time." Um, so I knew it was going to be a different experience. I knew it was going to be great, but I think what I wasn't quite prepared for was just how how much I would feel attached. Yeah. You know, we're going in already. I yeah. told you to be light and breezy, and Here look at me. Go. Go. <laughs> but what's really cool looking at your career like well two massive things rent and then yeah. legally is the people in the room like, like luke shepherd oh my yeah. goodness out here doing amazing things look yeah. at Andrew Juliet, look the representation that was yeah. within rent and with both in both of those shows and then look at what lucy moss did with legally blonde and i guess it's so cool that you've been able to come into the industry yeah. and have these experiences because essentially five years ago ten years ago that that wouldn't have been the case yeah. and like we 
we have so much more to do. We're not in the place that we need to be in. But um, this is like, okay, like things are happening. I mean, it, it must have felt amazing for you to work with those two directors and to work with these two kind of groups of people, especially, right? Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, like it has just felt like such a privilege and such a like, it's just such a booster to be a part of change. Mm. You know, it like it, that feels, that's invaluable. Um, and I feel so honoured to be like a part of, of those two productions, you know, and working with those people because people like that give you a certain energy <laughs> and, and it rubs off on you and you move yeah. through life with it. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I hope, I hope for the rest of my career that I can expose myself to people like that and projects like that where I feel like I'm a part of something mm. big bigger mm-hmm. you know so we started off yeah, we've right. set the bar we we've go. set the bar high <laughs> with like the best dogs imaginable yeah, we're all so excited um i want to rewind 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 um <laughs> back to childhood michael so oh. i know about you that you play like 512 instruments uh, <laughs> i wish <laughs> there's a whole list of ones i'd love to stop what what was the sitch when you were a kid like what mm. were you who was Michael back then? Were you doing tons of performing? Was that your dream? Were you playing lots of instruments? Or did it all come later on? Like, yeah. what, what kind of happened? So, in terms of instruments, I played piano when I was younger. When from I was like a really, really young age. From a really young age, yeah. And then I picked up the guitar later when I was, you know, in my teens, just because it was cool. That's the cool <laughs> thing. Were you in, like, school bands and stuff? I was in school bands. <gasps> and, and my I had this friend uh, who I was just sort of like... And then I just copied everything he did. He was like a family friend and I just felt like he's like my mentor because I didn't have an older brother. So, um, yeah, he uh, he started playing guitar. So I started playing guitar and we just played in bands. And Were we you singing of, in bands as well? I sung a bit in bands at uni, actually, and, and, uh, and at school. But I think my performance, like Kid Kid Michael, I used to just do choir and like music teachers, crazy projects. I had yes. this one music teacher um, who started this project where... This is going to be kind of hard to explain. He would do this TV show mm-hmm. to teach young kids about things, but he would have young kids on the show singing songs about those things. Okay. In order for people for them to like wow. learn. And I was one of the one of the kids on the show singing things, and it was just like, I think it was just uh, anything that my music department did, I was. I wanted to be involved. Yeah, me. Um, so put my hand up for everything. And I, yeah, it was just sort of started with that kind of thing. And I think that's, you know, important to, to, to recognize mm. that it's so important, you know, music teachers and, and mm. arts and education and how that like just inspires people to do things. And I remember then there were like school talent shows and cause I'd been doing this stuff, you know, as much as possible already. I just, I always wanted to throw my hat in. So I do talent shows and I, Sing Halo by Beyonce, or <laughs> you know what I mean? You were my doing little, my little baby Halo. voice. Like, Halo. <laughs> I can see a Halo. Halo. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so funny. But um, and then there was this various different things where we had these initiations, which were like very much just fun. I nice have no initiations. idea where this is going. I yeah. know it was it was very much like do something fun as opposed to anything like dark and insidious because we were all like 13. <laughs> <laughs> but my one for school was to dance Michael Jackson and so I just did loads of Michael Jackson dances and sang them and it, it was just... Yeah, I don't know, I just kept on doing that through school. So were you, because, okay, because you're like, you are a triple threat. Well, actually, you're a quadruple threat because oh, you're playing God. instruments as well. No, just gassed. No, <laughs> but I was watching you in Legally Blonde dance, like in all those ensemble bits, oh, like my for God. days. The voguing, the ballroom, yeah. the references, the TikTok references too, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, everything. So fun. But wait, so were you, so you dancing to Michael Jackson, were you doing dance classes? I did um, a few dance classes, but I, I did salsa. My mum forced me to do salsa when I was younger, and I, I didn't like it at first, and I loved it. <laughs> I just couldn't stop going. Um, you would now thank her for the rest of the A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I did lots of traditional dances. As I spent some time in school in Ghana as well. Wow. Um, and those traditional dances I learned there, and I, I played drums a bit then as well. So right. just sort of picking up random activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I The one thing I do regret is that I, I never I never sort of picked up something and then just stuck with it forever you know I, I i picked up and dropped things very like frequently so i wish i'd done you know that thing where people you know train in ballets and so like three or you know um 
But I'm happy because I just said yes to things. So. <laughs> I think now, but now you can pick everything back up again and it's yeah. like working in your favour. So what about, so this, you were singing in choir, you were doing dance, and then what about like acting? acting? Were you doing school plays? Were you doing drama club? I did. I did sort of, you know, everyone did the nativity when they were a kid. Who were uh, you in the nativity? I was on the stars. <laughs> it's in the back with a little star on my forehead, you know. I've got a little picture of that <laughs> in my mum's room. <laughs> she loves to refer to it at the most awkward moments. Um, I really think your mum in here right now. Um, why isn't she here? That should be like that's a new very... series. I should interview performers with their parents. With, that would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> For you, the performers would be mortified, but you know. Be careful, that would be the next like message that oh, I sent you. <laughs> oh my god, I put myself in it. Um, but yeah, I, I I did school plays. And... Who were you in school plays? So I did Music Man. Uh, oh I played gosh. Max when I was a kid. Okay. Um, we did Sound of Music as well, and I was just one of the 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 what's the kids band? Von Trapp Von Trapp yeah. I was like Van der Bleets, no. <laughs> um, we well, like, the Muffy Vanderbilt from League of Legends. <laughs> 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 like, God, let it go, Michael. It's fine. <laughs> like, Were you the Von Trapp that did the really high note? I uh, no. Do you know I played um good. Uh, <laughs> I can't do you it. know the one he, I am 16 going on 17 oh you yeah, were wow. I know, I know. he was Von Trapp that would be weird oh yeah no he was, the, he was a, that would be incest he married he one was, of them. Yeah, yeah, got he with got with one of the Von Trapps yeah, with yeah, Liesl right. the eldest Liesl yes. yeah that's Liesl. it that's yeah. it Liesl Liesl <laughs> who knows um, yeah we did that at school we did Limmers, um and I played I played Valjean I did Limmers two times you did not play Valjean I did I was so young as well and I remember because they, they did quite well of sort of making sure everyone across the school like got you know similar opportunities yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah I played it once at one school that I was at and when I moved to school later we did it again so Les Mis was like you're like oh God, before God, yeah. <laughs> I know that bit of the school yeah um, yeah I did Les Mis and you played Jean Valjean did you get a beard I, you know what I had a white beard that they that they put on it was all very it's all very school production but <laughs> Okay, but people were we'll calling, people future. were calling on to the fact that you were going places. Do you know? I think I'm so grateful to all of these like teachers, and because actually at one point it wasn't even a teacher; it was a mum from the school of one. Sorry, a mum of one of the students at the school. Yeah, who just took it upon herself to wow. direct these shows. Wow, wow, wow! And so I'm just so grateful for these people for really investing in like you know the arts. Are, the various different places because I now looking back on it I can see how hard it probably was for them mm. to like drive be that driving force in that school be thankless yeah. do you know what I mean so yeah really really grateful and then when did you decide or realize that was something that you wanted to pursue because I said to you before we started recording I watched mm. some other interviews that you did and um you I, I heard you speaking about your how was it your granddad was a performer and how yeah. but he was never really able to pursue it because well you can explain but yeah. maybe like in your family that wasn't something that maybe before was yeah. something that was possible so yeah. how did you realize that it was something you maybe wanted to do and how like what did your family think when you were like I'm gonna be a West End performer? What did they What did they think? Well, so yes, my granddad was very much a performer, and and I, I, looking back on it, there I think there's a lot of sort of hidden kind of artists in the family that didn't ever get the chance to to do it mm. for various reasons. You know, my granddad because he was uh, busy fighting for independence for Ghana, um, and my dad because you know he was trying to give himself the best opportunities that he didn't feel he could get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there are lots of hidden performers sort of dotted around the family. And I think <laughs> I remember always wanting to do it. And weirdly enough, when it's not something that's like you don't have family who are in it currently, it feels so far away. It just doesn't feel accessible. And I, I can't quite even reflect on why now. But I just never saw it as something that I could actually do. People, I don't think that people get it. Like, people yeah. outside of theatre don't really get it. Yeah. And especially even, like, te- if you're in a school, I think you have lots of teachers who went to uni, etc. Even your drama teacher, they don't necessarily know about drama school or about mm. other routes. They don't know. You're just like, there's like a level of disconnect, isn't there? I completely agree. Which is why I think now with social media, etc., and podcasts and things like this yeah. there's actually so much more access to the industry than there maybe used to be i totally agree with you. it makes it clearer because i just it's exactly that because i just didn't know how someone actually came to be an actor <laughs> you know i was like what do you do do you just sort of 
who picks you up. People it's, are still it's like surprised sports, that it's a job. Like, yeah. People yeah. are still surprised. People think oh, that honestly. People, people like do other jobs in the day and stuff. People don't get that it's a career still. The number of taxi drivers that would ask me, sort of <laughs> like, so what what else do you do? Like how do you actually you get make taxis? Money? No. <laughs> <laughs> you are so sharp. <laughs> I like that you live walking distance from Regent's Park anyway. <laughs> Getting taxis. No, no, no. This is a long taxi journey. So, you know, <laughs> oh, God. There are some, yeah, there are some stories to tell about being late and getting taxis <sighs> okay. at a ridiculous distance. Okay, we'll come on to that. Um, but yeah, sorry, we were talking about... So about access to the industry and knowing yeah, about the industry. I, so I was wanted to do it, but it felt sort of out of reach. Um, and when I got to sixth form at school... Um, you know, my A-levels, had, you know, they were biology, chemistry, maths, history. <gasps> and that was like, you know, because that's what I was good at. That's what I enjoyed. I actually tried to take drama and I was forced to drop it. So that's another story. Um, but so I was doing those A-levels and my school was obviously pushing me towards something science-based. And, you know, I had these warped ideas of success and just, you know, mm-hmm. I was full of fear, basically, you know, on what, what actually was achievable. Um, and so... I applied to medical school and I went to medical school um, knowing in my heart that that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but that felt, I had this thing in my mind that was, like, that was a realistic goal and the dream dream was, you know, performance, but I didn't think it was accessible. Um, so I, I went to medical school and did that for three years. And it's funny because my housemates would always laugh at me. They'd be like, you you take your rehearsals for your drama societies more seriously than your lectures. And so it was always, you know, even when I was at uni, it was always something that gave me joy. And I liked the people I was around when I was involved, you know, with that. Um, And I think I just got to the point where I just had to try. I had to figure out. And I think I learned a little bit from people at university what it was to actually try and get into the industry. So I started mm-hmm. to see it a bit more clearer. Um, and I was working every day in hospitals in, in placement year, and I just really, I just realised that you know I can't, I can't live for anyone else. I have to live for me. So yeah, I just auditioned for drama school, um, and um, there were some amazing places that I went to. But I just, I loved the Conservatoire Scotland. Um, and I had a, a full scholarship so cool. there too. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Lots of different courses, which is great. You expose yourself to different mm-hmm. people. And I wanted your family think of this. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, for them, it was their son going from something that is a hundred percent employment, total like stable, stable lifestyle, clear. You know, higher all the things are clear. Yeah. Into something that for them was just the deep abyss. So it was a tough. It's a tough. <laughs> job to persuade them <laughs> i'm gonna be honest but it did really help you know these these scholarships that they that they give out because you know i came i came to my parents with this is the solution you know i've i've applied you know they're giving me a scholarship so i don't need to you know because i've already used all my student finance so <laughs> i don't need student finance i don't i don't need you to help me through it financially um i just need you to be there you know so it these scholarships are so important mm-hmm. yeah hi i'm marcus mazel host of past present feature a filmmaker appreciation podcast showcasing new festival releases and the past films that inspired them as a filmmaker myself, I started this podcast with the intention of building community while talking shop and to show love to past cinema that sparked a new wave of filmmakers to create the films of the future. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media at Past Present Feature. Thank you for listening. Let's roll it. And then, so what course did you what course did you do there? Did you do an acting music course? Musical theatre, but seen... that course does acting music as well. The musical right. theatre course there is acting music within it, yeah. And did you love that those years? That was just the opportunity to pick up an instrument was because I for so long wanted to play the saxophone, um, and that was a specific one. That I was like, oh, I have to pick that up. Um, so was that like to be clear? Like, had you never played a saxophone before? Never played it before. Oh my gosh, how is that so... Can you explain to me, on behalf of all acting musicians, <laughs> who I think are all outrageous, how that's possible? 
do you know it was just such a focused focused time I think at drama school like you just try your best to be a sponge and you know the staff just there one-on-one lessons to support you and to be fair the one of the benefits of the course there is like god I'm like I'm like I'm selling the course (laughs) there were like 15 of us right across the whole year so it just helped because there was more time you know to like focus in on things um but yeah to be honest with you a lot of it is just like knowing how to tackle it when it comes your way as opposed to being perfect straight away. You know, nothing is perfect straight away. And especially with acting music, it's more just about seeing it in front of you and going, okay, this is my game plan. Yeah. I can learn that song in an hour. I can, that one's going to take two months. <laughs> so you just sort of, you know, break it down. I do have, I have a really good friend who's like, I'm like, oh, should we meet up? She's like, oh, no, sorry. I'm just learning a new instrument for an audition I've got next week. I'm that like, is so real. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll meet her for coffee and she's like, walks me like five instruments just come from an audition as well. Like, it's crazy. It's a whole different beast. Yeah. Um, you already touched on earlier something that I find really interesting to talk about, which is um, success and like how people view success. Mm. And also I think that's something that is constantly shifting and readjusting as yeah. as you go. So as you were coming to the end of your three years at Royal Conservatoire of Scotland, what was Michael's mind telling him then? Like, what did you want to yeah. be doing? Because I guess you also must have felt a decent amount of pressure considering the change that you just made. Yeah. I think if I'm being really honest with myself and I reflect more on that date every day, the pressure to just do the job mm-hmm. and you know be able to actually be employed in the industry was a huge goal of mine I, I've never really been someone that um go I have to be in this or that this show or that I, I don't know I, I it's never been something that's been like you know people have asked me the question before and I, I don't have an answer what's basically. your dream role you know and I still don't have one um, <laughs> uh, like, I just want to work <laughs> I'm just trying to work do you know what I mean <laughs> like I'm trying to get paid to this thing I love. Um, and so one of them was just, yeah, just to prove that it, I had a place in the industry, I think. And that, of course, you know, I can't deny it's down as well to proving that to family and friends and things because that decision I'd made. Mm. Um, so that was a huge goal. Um, and I think the one thing that drove me, this is, this is going to sound so corny, but when I got to drama school, one of the biggest differences I experienced as going from med school to drama school was that I was just so much happier and I was so much more excited for the future. You know, you know when you're stressed and you don't really know you're stressed till you're not stressed. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but with happiness. Wow. I was just suddenly, I would look forward and just feel positive as into my future and feel positive and be like, oh, this, who knows, you know? So I just wanted to make sure I could hold on to that because I know this industry in particular sometimes can if, if you can take that from you you know mm. um it's so hard psychologically and mentally right yeah. to be focused or to 100%. not get lost in but maybe positive as well but maybe because you knew that you gave up so much maybe that's keeping you focused or maybe that's giving you a different perspective right hugely yeah i d- yeah hugely i it, it was it's definitely been something that has given me like a, a, a certain level of tunnel vision, mm. you know, and um, I have to work on the stakes of that because you can't put yourself under that kind of pressure all no, the no, time. No, 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 no. But it was really useful for me when I needed to just put my head down and take what I could because I was like, well, <laughs> you've done it now. You've made the decision. You better prove it. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. And then when you graduated, was that, what, what year did you graduate? Was it, how how much was the world burning? Well, 2021. So it was just, oh. it was the embers. <laughs> it was the embers. It was literally last year. No. Um, so we had, our, half of our second year was COVID. Yeah. Um, and then... You really didn't know what was going on at all that time. Through, all through third year, we tried to sort of have online lessons and um, get through a showcase. And already third year is such a tough year because you're trying your best now to engage with the industry, you know. But then what was the timeline of rent? Was that, what was, when did rent happen? Rent happened right after that. So I started, I finished in May, started rehearsing in June and then started rent in July. Right, so that was yeah. like, so that was first, that was first job. First job, yeah. And what a first job to get. When I still you... think about it. 
I'm a very sentimental person. This is like, ther- <laughs> this is like therapy. <laughs> like the, all the jobs that Michael just hasn't got over. <laughs> let's talk through like, it one It's all going to be okay. <laughs> be, let, let's do exactly that. Um, but tell me before, like, did you go into that knowing that show? Mm. Did you know that role? Like, how familiar with, with the whole thing were you? Yeah, I think I was very familiar with Rent. I love Rent. It's such a great show. I think it's I think it's stunning. The songs live rent free in my head. <laughs> Where the drums are. <laughs> You've also said positive so many times. And every time I wonder like, keep it positive. But Come on, like, placement. Oh. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. For that transfer. Oh yes. Have you heard that, everyone? Okay. <laughs> just it out there, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, sorry, what were we saying? Uh, just rent being iconic. I think it's it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those shows um, that I watched when I was really young. The music, the movie musical. Um, Did you watch also the um, the filming of the last night on Broadway? Yeah. The DVD I had that on DVD. Yeah, and all of the bootlegs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like come on. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just I've always thought it's a stunning show, um, and yeah, I, I I knew about Benny of course because I'd, I'd watched it a lot. Um, but I was Benio was changes so much production by production, so it was definitely I didn't expect it to be something where I'd, I'd need to go in and sort of fit into a mold or anything because every Benny like you know it's just completely <laughs> seems to be completely different every mm-hmm. time they do it. Um, so yeah. And then what was it like going into that? Like I said, you had Luke Shepard mm. and you had this amazing company yeah. of so many like individuals who standing for incredible things, yeah. representing amazing people. Yeah. Um, what was that room like and what was that experience like? I remember just because... God, I was so green, like green and like, <laughs> like just looking around the room and being like, "Wow, you, these are all so." Was it intimidating? I... Intimidating is. I get what you mean. I think. I think it's. It's more of like you feel like you need to rise. You know, it, it makes you feel like you need to rise to that. Yeah, because you're yeah. not. Because everyone in the room was just it was really kind, so you never feel negative. Yeah, they weren't intimidating to yeah, you. To you but, yeah, but I guess sometimes, sometimes your mind can be tell you that you should feel intimidated. So true. When you shouldn't. Well, one of the things that I think hit me was that within because we did a whole sing through on the first day, which was which know, is wild. Baptism by fire, um, but incredible because I watched you know the, everyone do their bits and the one thing that struck me was just how unique and individual everyone was everyone had just was bursting with like just themness you know was that the, that was the tone of their voice or you know the faces that they pull or <laughs> the way they say lines and and it was just one of those things where i just was looking around being like wow these people are all so different but also individually like powerful um and deep and so uh, it makes you want to rise to it but it doesn't make you want to rise to it by being like I need to reach for it or I need to be more like this person or be more like that. You just go, I need to find more of myself so I can bring it. So I remember feeling that so much. I remember going home and texting one of my friends and being like, wow, I can't, I can't believe how, uh, yeah, I was just going on and on and on about everyone's tone and everything. <laughs> but isn't that amazing to be in that sort of space where yeah. the challenge is to find yourself and to like, exactly. that that is not, a conversation or like an issue or a thing that lots of actors have to do out in these streets in this industry. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I think that is down to as well, what you were talking about, the kind of projects that that I've had the absolute like pleasure and like luck to do Mm -hmm. is, you know, I've found these projects where I feel like I can reach within as opposed to out width and try and grab Mm. onto something that essentially will always be out of reach because it's not, you know, it's not you. Um, and so yeah I'm eternally grateful for that and, and Luke was Luke Shepard was amazing I mean obviously they did rent before and it got shut down um, so Ahmed Hamad was playing was playing Benny before class um, <laughs> but I didn't feel like I needed to carbon copy what he did you know and Luke gave room for that so yeah mm. and you just had amazing people you mean, yeah. you had Alex Thomas Smith do you know just, what I mean just like just stunning, incredibly talented people. Luke, Tom, Millie, Jocasta. I am just like... Uh, don't get me started, Jocasta. I adore Jocasta. <laughs> she is a bestie. 
This is oh. one of my favourite one of these that I've done. Oh, since, I haven't um, listened to that one. That's since awesome. we were in a random room in Greece, at Greece rehearsal room, for like oh. half an hour. We didn't have much time. We were like... And it was just like the most high energy outrageous thing. I learned so much from people like Jocasta as well. Because, you know, Jocasta's been around, you know. She's done... She's done things. She's done bits. Uh, she's done bits, so you know what a what a pleasure to learn from these people. Mm-hmm. And then was that <laughs> leaving that? Did you was that a hard love like legally not to say goodbye? Do you know it was it was so. I feel like I'm just in this constant loop of sort of like being like, oh god, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm saying goodbye to such an amazing cast, then like. Next thing I know, an- another amazing group of people shows up, and you're like, "What?" We need happening? to get you in a twelve month contract. Yeah, so you can just settle. <laughs> Did you hear that? Sort Michael needs. Yeah, no, it's it was, it was quite sad. And I remember, we were, we were doing Rent in our last month. Uh, it was Manchester Pride that month as well. So the wow. show was just especially special, you know, because. There were just people coming and sharing these experiences after the show. People that had lived through that, you know. And so it was already feeling very special and very unique. And then it ended. And I remember it finished the last day of the show. And the next morning I had to be in London to start rehearsals for the next thing. So I didn't have time really to to mourn it. So mm. I was just... That can so be quite good though, right? True. Just get on with it, you know. And that was that line which in the wardrobe. That was line which in the wardrobe. Just straight off on tour. Tour. And was that eye-opening? Tall was eye-opening. <laughs> Did you see my eyes open? Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I'm not trained, so just be careful at how much emotion you let <laughs> No, tour, tour was... I mean, it's such a cool opportunity to travel for work. That is something I didn't want to do, you know? Um, and to see the way theatres are and the way audiences respond to things in different places in the country, that's unique. That's a unique experience that you can't get unless you're there because you can't quite put it into words either. Um, and so I really enjoyed that. And obviously your tour company becomes your tour family because, you know, the one thing in common you have mm-hmm. across the whole run is the people you're in it with. Um, so, yeah, tour was eye-opening in that way to, you know, experience how theatre is across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen it yet. Is that this the production that's coming to the West End now, right? It is at the Gillian. Yeah. And are you doing? Were you doing the most? Like, what was happening? What were you doing? What were you giving us? I was giving it more grim realness. I was on all fours with arm extensions, running around like a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I was the Pevensey's dad at the beginning, singing like a song. Before it was one of those shows where, aside from the Pevensey's, really. Everyone was just like picking up oh roles, just multi-rolling, and because it was acting music as well, you needed to have the instruments on the stage oh, at all times. What were you playing? I was playing drums. Okay, just so drums. So that was something that I hadn't really, I didn't have as much experience with, uh, and then that do that show sort of wow, wow, wow. really learned from. Um, but yeah, because it was acting music, you got people need to be on the stage, so you just pick up roles, you know, where you when when you need to play, you know, drums or something. Um, but yeah. Amazing. That's onto the West End now, yeah. And then was it was a timeline of of was there a gap between that and legally, or did that come the legally come straight? Up? That was there was an overlap, in fact, with that. So that was. Gosh, how how that did that work? You were doubling up. You were still in. Doubling up. We used to, yeah. Where were you? We were in Wimbledon. Oh, okay. Thankfully, and then Norwich. Could have been in like Dundee. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, that would have been impossible. Really, that would have been devastating. Um, but it was yeah, Norwich. So it was a bit of a commute with the Norwich week, and then. Wimbledon, it wasn't too Exhausting. bad. Exhausting. Tiring, but worth it. Tiring, but worth it. So I guess one of the things that made Legally a big deal was that it was your first time doing a show in London, right? Yeah. Like, that yeah. was your, like, London debut, so a lot of people essentially were going to see you that maybe hadn't been able to see you yet on stage. That is true, yeah. Like, and that is exciting. Let's put within, within the industry and stuff. So when it popped up, what was your history with Legally Blonde? Had you watched the MTV thing on repeat on YouTube? Did you know nothing about it? What was the sitch? I had watched the film from the noise mm-hmm. um, and I had seen just, you know, being a musical theatre fan, you know, kid, just watching various different versions of So Much Better and Courtney, <laughs> take your break. <laughs> I have seen so many compilations of that line. I'm so <laughs> like, glad. You are so I... stagey. I love, I love watching the video of Nadine Higgin doing it in the original London production. Of course, that was what she did. She was, yeah, Nadine was Courtney, take your break. Paulette. Second cover for Lair, and then she was also the judge as well. What an iconic journey for her as well. I know. Of like 
full circle in a way. I know. I couldn't believe because so I feel like so often in this industry, if you did a production of a show, people won't see you for a different production of that same show. Right. Right. Okay. It's like it's like a it's like a thing. It's uh-huh. so for no for what reason? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's no doubt that the dude was the perfect yeah. person to be giving us Paulette in 2022 at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. And she brought such a new energy to it, you know. So even if the fear is if you've done one production and it's like hard to adjust to another. No, no, she. No, 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 no. She no, was. No. <laughs> so, yeah. did you ever, when you were watching clips and stuff, were you like, oh, I fancy me a bit of Emmett? Like, was that ever something that you thought would be, you know, on the cards? Or when yeah. this came up, were you like, Emmett? <laughs> Question mark. Yeah. yeah. I. I love. I love Chip on Your Shoulder. Great Chip on My Shoulder. Great song. Um, and I was wanting to, like, sing it. I don't think I ever really foresaw Emmett in my future. I think. In combination of being that person that's never like, oh, this is my dream show. Um, but also just being aware that, you know, it's not usually cast cast this way. It's only so, cast historically, like, in exactly the same way, right? Exactly, like, same yeah. age, like, same skin colour, like, yeah. yeah. So I just sort of, I I didn't, I, I, it wasn't in my stratosphere, you know. Um, and so when, and so when, when that, when that audition came up, I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> Okay. You know, and I was really excited because then I started to, obviously, I knew Chip. Uh, I listened to, we did um, Leaky Blonde as well and a bit of, you know, Take It Like a Man. And I just remember thinking, this is this is like, this is banging. I mean, the music in that show is insanely good. Um, and I found the scenes that we did and the characters just really interesting. And I, I suddenly started to, like, see myself doing it. And then I did the auditions and everyone was great. And I was like, oh... I want this. <laughs> it's scary to want something when you audition for it. Are you quite good at normally not doing that? Or does that, are you, yeah. I usually cool. will keep my cool a little bit. Um, but I remember feeling somewhere deep down that I really wanted it. <laughs> um, just because I was starting to really connect to to, to the material and, and the, the creators in the room as well. Um, yeah. And I think having done it now as well, it's incredible when you cast it differently when there's a different body in the space what changes and actually how 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 much closer these characters are to us than we think they are mm-hmm. um and yeah that was definitely a massive learning point within that process well i think what blew my mind when i watched it on that second preview <laughs> <laughs> Second preview. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Um, was how obviously there was there was actually quite there is quite a lot of text changes within the show. There's yeah. various tweaks from what we know, yeah. but also just how certain bits, um, uh, like the conversation, is it just leading up to the take it like a man that um, Emmett and Al had mm. about privilege? Was that was that where that comes? Is or is it early early on? It happens a couple no, of it, times uh, it, before Chip as well. Uh, or in, sorry, in the middle of Chip, they mentioned privilege, yeah. and you're like, oh wow, because yeah. actually you think about Emmett's story, like when mm. he sings, all of the opening of Chip on Your Shoulder is about you know where he came from and his background, yeah. and why things been tough for him. But I think like having having different having the show cast in different ways having different people that just brings a whole new layer right like without having to rewrite it or without having to Mm -hmm. change the story or the narrative Mm -hmm. and like isn't that amazing but also like it should just be the norm but of how a piece of theatre can just take you next level. It's like um, Beauty and the Beast, how you have Belle, who's someone who feels like she doesn't belong in her town, and if she was like an outcast and stuff, so having a person of colour playing that role suddenly adds a whole new layer to it, and like it's like they haven't made a single script change. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you know what it's I'm trying there. to say? I totally agree. It's there, and I, I remember, you know, um, reading, you know, really getting into the, the text of Chip, and you know, he talks about how he's from the Roxbury slums, I was like, okay, right, let me just really look into this place. Mm. You know, a little bit of Google work and you find that Roxbury is a predominantly African-American area. You know, it's a black... And and, and lots of black Americans moved there at one point and there was, there's a lot of history there. And so suddenly I was like, wow, <laughs> this is this, this thing that maybe previously would have meant something completely different, but now it means something else altogether and you haven't changed anything. You know, but here we are, we all have stories and and everything is relevant to us in some way. Mm-hmm. We just find a new way for it to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an important important thing for us to see that, that you know, it's not unique 
to mm. anyone, you know. And in rehearsals with the vibe, like, had had Lucy Mars, did she come in with this, this vision? Did she know the direction? Or yeah. was there very much an element of you were discovering things together or learning things together? How How was it working? I think Lucy Moss is a bit of a visionary. <laughs> I don't want to mince my words on that. I think she, she has knows. she has like such a vision that like, I think and it's one of her powers. She's so bold in like her choices. And I think so she she had she had a strong vision for the show. And I think that was really important, especially with the revival, to try and to come in knowing like, okay, this is how we're gonna flip this around or, you know, change the tone or and how we're gonna retain this you know, to have those things in mind clearly. Um and I'm ha- and that's great because also she came in with a lot of script changes already. Right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? So they've done, they did that, that pre-work, you know. Um, and so, But I think, you know, when we were within the room, we had lots of conversations. And this is one of the reasons why I thought it was such a great room because I think everyone came with such different experiences in life and everyone was very good at being open to hearing what those experiences were from everyone and therefore taking it on board. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of conversations. We had like a big conversation about how this changes, how the bodies in this space changes, how this this show is read mm. uh, without even saying anything. Um, and then we, then the responsibility comes on us in, in the rehearsal room with Lucy to try and to like, to create that, to to find the nuanced ways of, of showing that, you know, mm. uh, whether that's the smallest thing, like just a little dance that like shows that, oh, this character has a relationship to this culture that you are aware of and makes people feel seen as well and just you immediately understand something about people mm. um so yeah it was it, there definitely was a vision for it but i think overall you, you have to allow the people in the room to come and give their energy you know because mm. that's what the casting is about and did you or do you love being able to bring that energy and be so able to much. do that process because that's not what every job is like out yeah. here. No, so much. I think I think it's the opportunity to be creative and to and for things to change and just feel like you have freedom mm. is is very special. And it's a different it's a different discipline, you know, because you have to know at what point to stop creating <laughs> ideas and just like tech is in a day. Shut, <laughs> like, shut up, Michael. It's enough. Like <laughs> you know, I have a habit of overthinking. So um, you know, just really being disciplined in that. And that's a different discipline and skill as well, to stepping into something that's already made. Um, that is also just as, you know, you can you can feel just as creative, but it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. together yeah. so it was those I came second preview and you have like almost cried when I told you I almost that walked out the room. Yeah, you, were like, I can't, you were like I can't look at you I don't know what you would have seen which is hilarious what was going on in those previews what was it like to get up on stage because there was so much work to do and it's so yeah. hard when you're in the outdoors as well and all those things right I think that is just a huge factor you know just you're outdoors um, and so whilst you spend so much time in studios rehearsing in a closed space and everyone's so weird yeah you know and you set up you set up the show to work with a certain audience and the audience being lucy's at the front right next to you watching or yeah, yeah, the rest yeah. of the cast you know so it just means that you have to just turn the show into in turn the show up a little bit or just change the way things land and the way you play things and play where you place it Mm-mm. um when you get outdoors and that's an adjustment because everyone's got to then make that adjustment according to what you're doing and what other people are doing. And so I think that was just one of the biggest adjustments we had to make, just playing outdoors mm. um, and what that means for your voice. Cause you can't fill the space, you know, cause it's tight. It has no, no roof. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like the roof has been blown off. So how, you know, work to sort of protect your voice, but also use it in a way yeah, that yeah, yeah. people are going to hear everything. Because also that show is, you know, you need to hear every word. The lyricism is great. So, and it's important. Did you, um, when I came into the last show, there was a yeah. few rain breaks and things. Was yeah. that, did you, were you quite lucky the rest of the time? Or was that, were you singing in rain and in rain. stuff? What happened? It's quite funny because that final show was probably <laughs> the most rain we've had. Really? <laughs> was and it wasn't like, really, it no. was just like dribbles. It was just little songs you had to stop it because of a dance coming up or something. Lauren Drew, oh my gosh, when Skip she, I was absolutely <laughs> terrified watching yeah. that number. Yeah, she she just went for it anyway. And it, it ended up being fine, but obviously it's that. She's very bold, Lauren Drew is 
the powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> she does the maze. <laughs> she, um, but yeah, that last show we had three three show stops, didn't we? Yeah. Previously we've had two and a couple where we've just sort of kept on going in the rain. And some really dramatic moments were at the end of Legally Blonde, oh. you know? It's raining and like Emma and Emma are looking in different directions. Like walls and is like dripping down your face. <laughs> and you just turn away dramatically. And <laughs> blue light and it's all <laughs> very melodrama. Um, but somehow it just adds to the whole experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got um, lucky then though. Yeah, no I've... rained off shows as well, which is uncommon. Because it so. can be crazy. Yeah, exactly. Crazy, crazy. I've been, I've been sat there like in crazy situations yeah. trying to watch this. Things. It must be quite interesting as an audience member to sort of keep watching in the rain. Cause... Yeah, totally. Totally. You have to... I now always have a poncho in my bag when I go to the open-air theatre. Yeah. But I remember, I think it was the last thing I saw there. Was it Jesus Christ Superstar? What was that last year? Um, yeah, I think it was JCS. They I went to say something last and I was like I put my it was, rain was forecast and I put my poncho on at the beginning like <laughs> I'm ready bitches. I'm a pro I've been yeah. here before I've been on uh, and everyone was like looking it was like really struggled to put it on like I was like oh, oh I'm no. not so smug now like, really can't, and then... I can't get it on and then I sat there in my poncho and guess what it didn't rain no. <laughs> sods law that is sods law oh <laughs> but you looked prepared you looked that really looks prepared stupid <laughs> <laughs> so totally what colour was the poncho it was like see through it was just like like a basic poncho yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I brought myself but, um, but also like I've taken towels before to like wipe down the seats because they're wet when you oh, arrive oh yeah I, yeah I just seen people come in like who haven't thought of that and like are in glamorous dresses and having to sit on a soaking wet seat and yeah, like people come in costumes oh. sometimes don't they we had so many people coming in pink it was everybody in, like, oh my god all three times like, there's yeah. all these people in pink which yeah. I was so impressed by there was one there was one day where it I think it might have been a Hindu I'm not sure but they all came in pink suits and graduation hats and graduation hats, hats. They, they had to pre-order those there's no way that's just picked up so that's organisation yeah those classes but were you talking of audiences obviously mm. this was so bold this was so different to what people knew legally want to be yeah. also I mean Regents Park are out here changing their narrative and changing their reputation show by show mm-hmm. but I feel like this is one of the first times they've taken on a more modern title we've known Jesus Christ Superstar Evita Carousel um, yeah. or that's why I start my poncho Carousel when they're um, bringing back you know old classics and reinventing them yeah. this is the first time they've kind of reinvented a more modern like in your face type of show yeah. like Blonde so was there was were you aware of nervous energy where people are like, oh god I hope people are going to like this this is so different everyone loves this show yeah. or from being in the room did you all know people are going to love this that's a really good question it's a really good question because I think I think because you're in a bubble no, you're in a bubble that's the thing so within that we create something that we we feel we're proud of or that we're proud to begin the journey of you know as through performances things grow and change anyway um but inevitably, doing what we were doing, we were just aware that this was going to be challenging. You know, it's going to challenge people in, in certain ways just by virtue of who was on the stage, let alone what the changes were. And especially something that's a bit of like a, a beloved classic to people, you know. They have a certain way, or you, so you think, that they want to see it. Um, but so that that was there. You know, I can't deny that that was there, definitely for me at least. Um, and... I think by and by, you know, like as it as it went along, we were really pleasantly surprised by what happened because what we were seeing was firstly people I mean I speak to people after the show and they that I've never been to the theatre before. Wow. But I've come for the first time ever just because I felt like this show was speaking to me in some way because they felt represented by by the casting or just by what the show like the way it was staged, what the, the type of story it was telling, the way it was telling the story. Um, and so and we had a fantastic experience with this woman who had been coming to the theatre for years and years and years and years um, quite an elderly lady and she was like god you made me feel so young again ah! she was like darling darling I felt 20 years younger watching you guys on stage about... honestly I could have cried <laughs> it was just lovely because it's just you know you meet the people you know um at stage door who are moved by it because they feel seen or they feel like they can they can do it you know as well but then you also meet people who you know are are watching and just feeling joy based on seeing other humans Mm. you know feeling that 
Um, I think Ligue Blonde just wins people over. I remember seeing it for the first time in London. My it was before I did this. My sister took me to see it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this sounds really girly and stupid. <laughs> you know, I was like a cool thirteen-year-old or whatever back then. And um, yeah, like, <laughs> um, and oh my god, was everything I thought it was going to be? I was like, oh my god, this is so annoying. <laughs> and then buy what you want with the music and everything. Yeah. I was just so won over. And by the end. Well, let's just say I was singing "Oh my God, you guys" on my way back to yeah. Charing Cross Theatre and Charing Cross Station afterwards. Yeah, it's. It, I think it is that like it, it's a train and it goes and people usually get on it. Of course, you know you do a show and not everyone's gonna like it. Oh, whatever. Um, yeah. But you know, like by and large, people got on that train and it was moving quick. Um, and I, I was, I'm the same. Like I'm now obsessed with this show. <laughs> I knew it. But I didn't know it like I know it now, and I can't stop listening to it. A lot of people actually came up to us saying that it got them through lockdown, which is quite interesting. I think because it's such a bubbly, you know, uh, score that people just felt like it gave them I'm a bad. positivity. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> Caught myself saying it. I went back and rewatched the MTV recording. Appreciate it. Totally. Yeah. And then is it like Courtney Bowman's really obsessed with um, the yeah, reality the search show, for our words. which I have never watched. <laughs> well, I hadn't watched either, and she did. She gave me the induction. It's worth it. Give us. Give it's really it, good. Do it for yourself. What <laughs> was it like to you know your part is really close knit cast mm. um, to see the response that they were getting? Like you know, for Courtney, it was like this huge, huge thing. Yeah. Then even like Lauren every night I was whipped into Shay mm. with Isaac and 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 Ali to have trans representation with the yeah. show and it, for it not to be about that, not being shouted about, but just to have it there and to see them being incredible yeah. and how important that is. What was it like to, you know, see essentially these people who are becoming your friends, seeing yeah. them have these moments? It's been huge. Just so huge and I don't really have words to describe, like, because it's not it's not pride because you're not responsible in any way to what's happening. Yeah, 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 you yeah, just yeah. feel you so... You got to see it firsthand. Yeah. and feel like a privilege. It, it's like a privilege and it's it's so rightful. You know, I'm watching, even just in the initial read-through, just watching people do their thing and thinking, you are amazing. And, you, you know, I can't wait for you to share it with people mm. and to share you just being you up there. And... Um, and what you can bring creatively as an actor, performer, singer, dancer to the character. And so it was just, it was amazing and it felt so right to hear, you know, that first, when the, the curtains come apart and Courtney's there with the dress and everyone goes, yeah. And you're like, yes, no, she does deserve that. She's she's incredible. Um, and, and after Whipped and after Courtney taking, just all these moments where you're like, yes, this person is bringing something amazing. We've seen the work they've put in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's your friends. And you know, when, it's, when someone's your friend, you just, it's a certain level of, you know, fuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, your Emmett was, you know, your Emmett was incredible. Like you were doing, it was incredible to watch. And actually to come back to that last show as well, like everything, I feel like the whole show had just really clicked. Right. And um, yeah. it was amazing to watch. Talk to me about riffing away through Jeff on my shoulder. Riffing away. <laughs> Do you know I tried to behave so much with that song? Slash, you definitely riffed on the second preview. Uh, <laughs> you totally did. You went. Don't know what he's talking about. You not, that was not the score at the end. I did. I did. So it was that song is so because there's so many words per minute. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You just need to get the information out. And so when I was like, well, this is a bit of a space. Maybe you might show a little something. Um, I think for me it was just about like making sure to express this person's like cultural influences, you know, like riff to show something or to show, because by the end, he's just like on cloud nine, he's sort of lived in this very, you know, specific place. And then L comes in and completely rocks his world. And suddenly you hear him like, was that Emmett Forrest? Like singing, <laughs> like just freely like that. Um, so yeah, it was it was fun, but also I tried to I tried to behave as much as you possible. You did some cool riffs as well <laughs> at that end. At the end, you were like taking it down low. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, I was dead. I appreciate you. Thank you. I, when <laughs> when you're in a cast of riffers like Billy Luke Nevers and, and uh, you know amazing singers like that, you know you just wanna you wanna wrap yourself in that and everyone just like rise to it, you know. And also my favorite bit. Of the whole show, the whole my favorite change was um, 
I don't know what this is. It's oh my for God. hair. Tar. Inspired. I told you Lucy was visionary, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. I really wanted to get batteries for it and turn it on <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but alas, it was it was painted shut. <laughs> Maybe a bit too far. <laughs> that, was, that, that was everything. That yeah, was what I was like, I'm sold. Oh my God, I have to tell you the story. Tell me. There was, and this is, this is, this is true. When that moment happened, like, I don't know what this is, it's for her. I genuinely heard someone in the audience, a little girl, say to her parents, Daddy, what is that? Genuinely, the dad sort of go, I don't know, ask your mum. And by then I couldn't anymore because the music came in, but it took everything not to just burst out laughing. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) It's like something out of a cartoon. So you'll say goodbye. You'll put now. Yes. Draw the line. I really hope there can be some sort of future life for that production in some form, somehow. I, I, I do. Honestly, would love that. I think it's an incredible, incredible show. Like, uh, yeah, it would be lovely to reconnect with those people again as well and mm. see it have a further life. But mm. cr- fingers crossed. But you we, are we're out of our hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's one thing you don't need to worry about. <laughs> love the pay grade. Mm. Um, and now you're off to Birmingham, right? Yeah. What's happening? Tell me everything. So that is called To the Streets. It's it's about Paul Stevenson and. And the people around the Bristol bus boycott, and so I'm really excited to work on that because it's. Do you have any idea what you're in for? Not really. Aside from the audition material, I don't know. I'm going to do my own research, you know, about what this story is. Um, But yeah, I'm very. It's it's going to be different from Legally Blonde, you know. It's going to be. It's something. Even just the fact that I'm now going to have a subject like someone that I can watch videos of to portray. Which I've always wanted to do um, to portray a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be an interesting experience altogether. And and I've already, you know, when a cast announcement happens and everyone sees the different people on the cast, you know, you get messages from people being like, "Oh my God, you're working with this person. They're great. Like you can love them. Oh, this is that." And so I'm in for another bit of heartbreak <laughs> all over again. I mean. And this is quite short, right, as well. It's quite short. It's very short, yeah. So you're really going to be really ripped away. It's tiny little, yeah. Just getting started. Yeah, because we finish August 28th. Are Um, you playing any instruments? No instruments, no. No, I know. I've I've not really been getting them out. It's just in my room. (laughs) (laughs) That's good, though. Like, they're there for when you're ready. I enjoy writing with them. um, And that's something that I feel... It's funny because I was asked recently what my hobbies are. And I had a panic because I was like, wow, my hobbies have been so related to this world that I now work in for so long. And I'm like, God, what actually are my hobbies? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite nice, to be fair, to have a bit of time to have the instruments and just that as something that's just for me. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't need to try and monetize. <laughs> so at some point, maybe we can get like a little concert or like a little evening with. Yeah, they here first. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know when that will happen, but I I I do I do like writing, and at some point, at some point, it will feel right to to share. Okay, um, I'm ready when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get your friend that plays all the instruments on. Yeah, yeah. If you can put me in contact. With like an active music yeah, little, yeah, like group. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tell me. So before earlier, we were saying about when you graduated about. Um, like the pressure mm. and the definition of success and stuff. So now, yeah. fast forward to present day, where we are mm. right here, right now, has that mindset shifted? Has that pressure shifted? Like, what's the headspace now? I'm trying and working so hard to sort of move past the idea of perfection as success. And because it doesn't exist, it doesn't. Nope. Um, and so that is something that I think... And I... At drama school, it's important because you sort of, you need to think about what's, what am I being taught here? What's the like right way? How can I do this to the max? But I think at some point you have to sort of let go of that and, and, and understand that you can't do everything at its best because that doesn't exist anyway. So that, as an idea of being successful, I'm definitely losing. I'm, I'm shedding. Um, just working. I'd love to continue to work, you know, <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and and especially on things that I think um, are creatively challenging or like bold in some way um, or that I feel like I can be a part of something new. Um, 
so that's definitely not shifted I, I loved I'm holding on to that yeah, one um, and I think you know because so much of that that concept of success was wrapped around stability quote unquote I have reassessed that that stability doesn't need to come from employment although I want it and I'm like that's one of my goals I I don't it would be a disservice to myself if I made that the way that I retain stability in my life I need to you know and everyone needs to find ways to be stable just in themselves you know mm. and feel that stability you know mm. no one can give that to you mm. so yeah that's definitely changed for me god I'm really getting deep on this podcast Anna. <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> Like I said, I've not trained. Absolute vision into my brain. No, but I like that because I think that actually when you... See, I think some ways that's almost a secret mm. because you can work from, from talking to people from what I understand. You can walk into audition rooms and like if you're just like, I need to get this job, I need to get this job. Yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. That reads or that can almost like shift how you approach the materials. 100%. But essentially, if you can find fulfillment or stability in other areas so that you can walk into an audition and be like... I don't need this, but you yeah. also you can be like auditioning them. Like, are the, do I like these people? Do I like do this I... vibe? What house is serving me? Like, do totally. I know you're part of that? Yeah. And then also learning to say this really scary word that is two letters, what? no, oh. um, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, so important. Though. It's like really important lessons, but when you can get, and that's what, that's what like, you know, going through your career teaches you essentially. Yeah. And I think really I empowering. had a previous podcast, someone was talking about desperation on in, in your, one of your podcasts and, just that feeling of desperation and like you know wanting to get employment and it's just yeah 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 it is a dangerous way to live because for so many reasons that we've just spoken about and not least as you say because you know that desperation it, it pulls you out of yourself in an audition room anyway mm -hmm. because you're so busy going like what do you want what 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 is it that you want me to do here to so I can get it mm -hmm. as opposed to going you know what do I bring what is it that someone said. <sighs> On Legally Blonde, there was a catchphrase that, oh, you have nothing to prove, but everything to share. Wow. Come on. I wish I could quote exactly that, because we repeated that, that so many times. Wall. I don't know who said it, but it was, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's powerful. Before we wrap this up, mm. I need to know about the taxi situation, please. The taxi situation? <laughs> <laughs> getting... Don't ask me if I'm getting a taxi home. <laughs> Were you getting, like, were you running, what were you doing that was making you so late for work that you had to get taxis? Do you know what it was? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Right? I'm actually, like, pulling my chair, jumping out, I'm getting hot. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm on air. Um, I, so just a few times, I sort of underestimated the walk between Baker Street and the actual theatre. Mm. So you got to walk through the park. Yeah. So I get to Baker Street, and, like, the walk is, like, 10, 15 minutes. So you're getting taxis from Baker Street let, to the... <laughs> hey, my lips are sealed. Okay, sorry. Carry on, please. Carry on. <laughs> the stage is yours. It was like two or three times where I got a taxi from Baker Street to the theatre. I I'm not not proud to say it, <laughs> but I did it in the pursuit of being on time. And you were on time. And I was on time. See, so it was worth it in the end. Well, thank you for Last week I was going to a press night at the Turbine Theatre. I think you've been there, Battersea oh, yeah. Power Station. Mm -hmm. And basically, the, my, I was trying to go there by boat because I'm opulent. Come but my on, boat didn't arrive. My boat didn't arrive. I was stood on the pier like, ah! <laughs> ran, got, got a, the, the tube now goes to the Turbine, goes to Battersea Power Station. Yeah. Station. So got there. Got the got to the station at twenty past. It said seventeen minute walk. The show starts in ten minutes. I was like, this Uber, is Uber, nightmare, Uber. Yeah. So I quickly got an Uber. Uber jumped in the Uber. It was five minutes. Got there. I arrived and the the like the press rep and Paul Taylor Mills were laughing like, you got an Uber oh. from the station to here. Like, who do you think you are? You could have done that in ten minutes. I was like, I'm Which, not running you know, in this right heat. in this in this economy. Yeah, I'm not running for what? <laughs> paying me. <laughs> <laughs> no it is so so you just like you panic and you're like well I've got to get there somehow I get these visions in your mind of walking in late and actually there is one video of me walking in late to a rehearsal that's been circulated but I'm not better <laughs> 
yeah no i just and those those uber boats actually they're actually really fun to go on they're went, so fun to yeah. go on they're when i went so to greenwich fun. into central it was, yeah, 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 yeah. It. but it sometimes i'll go like further away just so i can get a longer uber boat journey but it's so expensive though yeah they are expensive it's one of those i've done it's one time i've done it so you're as bad as me and the taxis <laughs> frankly yeah i don't get taxis, <laughs> I, get, I get boats yeah you get, it's even more opulent than because that because then you're literally buying a theater when you get there so you have to walk that's all true. there's no 20 minute it's walk that power stop. station it's just yeah. straight on isn't it yeah, 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 i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> okay this is <end> well <laughs> i i also have one more thing just to share um like before we go off the podcast if that's okay one more moment to share before well, we one more thing go. before we all go yeah exactly <laughs> This is funny enough. It is about Courtney. She just—I wanted to share that I asked her. So you know, if anyone asks me, you know, how was it working with Courtney? Yeah. What should I say? She sent me some words. Oh, thank you. I'd love to just share. Great. There are only three: glorious, mm-hmm. fantastic, Ooh. sensational. <laughs> that was my remit. I promise. So there you go, everyone. That's what it's like working with Courtney Berman. <laughs> By Courtney Berman. <laughs> Courtney, take. Well, pray. <laughs> um, I have something for you. Something for me? You. Yeah, of course. Oh my god! I always forget to do this bit. This a is wrapped gift? up in a bag. A gift, yeah. Can I open it? Of course, it? unwrap it in that graceful green bag. Let me hold this for you. Thank you. Literally matching your very beautiful <laughs> jumper. <gasps> oh, guys, it's a West End frame mug. Yeah. I'm in the frame. <laughs> oh, thank you so, so you're much. In the mug. Yeah, not so at all. Nice. I want to see that at some stagey dressing room somewhere, please. That, yeah, absolutely. That will be right <laughs> on my Instagram or my story. Thank you. That's really kind of not you. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Didn't expect that at all. <laughs> so, what's in the bags? Thank you so much, Michael, oh, thank you. <laughs> for thank joining you. me. You. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure too. Oh, it's been so fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much to Michael. Oh my goodness, it was such a pleasure. He was a dream to chat to and such a fascinating journey. And it's so exciting because I know there's so many cool things ahead for him. And if you are out there and you have video footage of Michael performing Halo by Beyonce in that school concert, I need to see it. Thank you for listening and supporting this season of In The Frame. If you're enjoying it, please leave us an Apple Podcast rating and review. We love hearing from you, so you can follow West End Frame on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Check out our other podcast, The West End Frame Show, for your weekly stagey catch-up. If all goes to plan, one of my cool's Legally Blonde co-stars may be co-hosting our final episode of the season next week. Thanks again to Michael come back next week for another special guest but until then thank you for listening